She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Family, the good news that we proclaim today is that Jesus disrupts our belief that we must serve God in order to get our needs met. Rather than achieve our place in His presence, we are invited to receive a better word. You no longer need to live in the anxiety of whether or not you've done enough. One thing is necessary to sit at His feet and receive what Jesus wants to give you. Will you choose the better way? Um, I don't know if you can relate to this uh, sentiment or not, but I like to be needed. I really, I, I, I like when people value sort of the contribution that I feel that I can make to a community. And specifically, I like when my sort of wisdom, insight, and expertise are seen as being necessary in a, in a given circumstance. And I, the fact that I'm a pastor sort of makes this even more so. Um, but I like to be consulted. I like my, my wisdom to be valued. And, and we all have uh, these sort of unknowing beliefs that, that run our lives from beneath the surface. They, 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 they cause us to react in certain ways, and we're not, not sure why we react those ways. Or they, they, they motivate us in ways that we're not quite in tune to. And one of those controlling lies, because these are lies, for me, is that I feel like I should be the smartest person in the room. It's a lie that I often believe. Now, to clarify, I don't consciously think that I am the smartest person in the room. In, in fact, <laughs> I rarely feel that way. But... I've noticed some things about myself that if there's a circumstance that comes along where there's a lack of wisdom, like a lack of knowledge or knowing what to do where people don't know what to do next or they don't know what to think, I will think to myself unconsciously, I should have the solution to this. I should know what to do. And if I don't know what to do, then I feel very, very anxious. On the other hand, uh, when I have wisdom about something, but nobody asks me for that wisdom, nobody values what I have to think or what, what I have to say, then I get very frustrated and even offended. And I think to myself, like, why aren't they asking me? Like, don't they know who I am? You know, don't they know what I have to bring to the table? And as you, can, as you might be able to guess, both of these get aggravated by the fact that I happen to be a pastor. In fact, I can't think of a profession 
that would aggravate these two lies more than any than, than any other profession. Like, this is the one that does it. Uh, because there are times when I'm asked to give wisdom that I don't have, and so anxiety follows. And there are times when I'm not asked for wisdom that I do have, and I get frustrated. So, can, I mean, can you imagine, like... Doesn't this sound fun to like be in my head? <laughs> um, it's dangerous for me as a pastor because uh, often I don't know what to do next or I think I have the answers to questions that people aren't asking. And most of the time I vacillate between the two. And on any given day I can feel both frustration and anxiety like 20 times. Uh, this this sort of happened to me while I was away on our trip to Haiti. And uh, one of the things that we had been kind of fighting for to get space in our in our itinerary was to do our Story of God training, which is incredibly valuable, especially for people that aren't trained, but they're leaders in the church to help them understand God's Word and how to communicate it in ways that engage people and kind of invite them into God's story so that they can make disciples. And we had asked them, uh, if this is something that they would value when we were there back in April. And they said, yes, please, we'd love to do that. So, so we were fighting to get this kind of space. And for a number of reasons, um, 410 Bridge is like, yeah, we don't really have that much space to include it. But they sort of gave one like slot for it to happen. So I kind of, you know, in frustration, like, well, I want to just go along with what they're saying and, and be a good listener and a good servant to the people, you know. And so we went and we, we got there and the day that was supposed to happen, there's a bunch of other projects going on and it didn't happen that day. And then the next day came around and I'm looking at the clock, I'm like, it's already 11 o'clock, this is supposed to happen in the morning and now we're almost at lunchtime, like what if this doesn't happen, you know? Finally, it did, and we, we had a, a couple hours with the people there, and it was fantastic. And you know what I was like? As soon as we wrapped up, they, they were like, man, we wish, they literally said this, like, we wish we had more time for this. And in my mind, I'm going, I know, because this is great. Why wouldn't everybody want this? Like, you know, like. See, I knew we should have had more time. I, I, don't they, don't, doesn't everybody see how much they need what I have to offer? At, at the heart of this is bad news. It's really bad news. That this lie that my wisdom, my knowledge, my insight is actually how I make myself needed. In other words, it's... It is the way, it's the method that I ensure that I get my sense of belonging, significance, and security. It's the way I, I think that I can grasp at my, my place at the table and the fact that I really matter. It's my way of earning my role in a community. And it happens automatically. And if things don't work out the way that I pictured, then I get frustrated or anxious because God is not rewarding me for my contribution to His people. Now, here's the thing. Um, my strategy may not be your strategy, but it doesn't mean you don't have one. 
all of us have a strategy. All of us are doing this in our own little ways. We have a hustle that we're trying to utilize to try and get from God and from other people what we so deeply desire. And we we talk about these needs all the time. I'm thinking about calling them the big three. Because they show up again and again and again. All of us, we need belonging, security, and significance. Every single one of us need these things. We need to know that we belong, that we have a place in a community. We need to know that we're secure, that we're safe, and that we can let our guards down. We need to know that we're significant, that we matter, and that we have a, something important to contribute to a, a community, especially a church family like this. But let me ask you, like, what's your strategy for getting those things? What's your hustle? How are you trying to earn those things? Earn your belonging. Earn your significance. Earn your security. Maybe it is like me. Maybe as I'm sharing about my need to sort of be the smartest person in the room, you're like, oh man, that's totally me too. You know, I try to come up with something witty or competent. I want people to see me as wise. But maybe for you, it's something different. Maybe for you... You, you like to take on more responsibility than you should. You can't say no to anybody. Because you want people to notice how much you're doing and you desperately want to hear the words, well done. And that's your hustle. Maybe for you, it is the fact that you look for security by trying to be helpful to other people. And from the outside, it looks like you're the most humble person in the room. But really what you're doing is you want people to feel indebted to you so that they never leave. Maybe for you, you're someone who looks for significance by trying to stand out from the crowd and be the unique individual that you know you are. And that if people would just recognize your talent, recognize your beauty, recognize your uniqueness, then you would know that you have a place in that community. Some of us try to hustle God in our community by trying to be the funniest person in the room. That if I can make the most people laugh, then I know that I have a safe place here. Some of us try to seek security by being sort of a loyal soldier, a a man or a woman of our word. And Hey, I said I was going to get it done and and I got it done. Look at what I did. And I want everybody to recognize that that I follow through on what I say. Some of us try to gain belonging by trying to be the life of the party. If we can entertain more people, then, then we know that we have a place. Some of us try to gain security by maintaining a sense of control. That if you're, you're, you're constantly putting yourself into positions where you're in charge. Because you know if you're in charge, then, you, then people will look up to you and therefore you will have that sense of belonging and significance. Some of us try to gain our place in a community by slinking into the background and being sort of a quiet mouse. You know, We just don't want anybody to see us and that's the way that we sort of operate. What is it for you? Whatever it is, we we have what Thomas Keating calls a program for happiness. A program for happiness. And it's always running. And one of the ways that you 
can know what your program for happiness is, is to notice the circumstances in which resentment and bitterness start to come out of your heart. You're like, why, do I, why am I so resentful? Why am I so uh, bitter towards other people? The reason is because often we rub up against other people that don't cooperate with our program for happiness. They don't play along in our game. And so my program gets, my program in particular gets frustrated when I'm not consulted on an area that I feel knowledgeable about. That I'm not valued. What is it that frustrates you about other people? Where is it that when you're in community with other people, you're like, oh, I just, I wish people got me. I wish they knew. I wish they understood. Whatever your greatest frustration is, with other people, it may not be what they're doing to you. It may, in fact, be how what they're doing is aggravating your program for happiness. See, and in moments like those, it's God is actually calling us to shift, to, not to just shift the blame to other people. God is inviting us to, to, to look at and own our own hearts. To, to repent and to turn back to Him for what we actually need and what only He can give. So we ask yourself, why am I so upset about this when I'm upset? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so disappointed when? You know, when, I, when I serve people and they don't thank me for it, why does that bother me? When I take up more and more responsibility and feel burdened by all of this stuff, but nobody sees the burden that I'm carrying, why do I feel so angry? When I try to be the life of the party, but people don't respond and they leave anyway, why do I feel so abandoned? That's what's happening in this account of Jesus at Martha's home with Martha and Mary. Martha welcomes Jesus into her home and she automatically assumes she knows what will make Jesus happy. She assumes that she knows what it means to honor Jesus and to give her life to Jesus. And culturally, she has every reason to believe that she's right. Because this is how you honor Jesus, a a person of Jesus' stature in first century Judaism. And we aren't told exactly what she's preparing, but it's likely that she's preparing a meal. And this would have been the culturally accepted way that you honor someone of Jesus' stature in society. But when Mary comes along and she doesn't cooperate with Martha's strategy to impress Jesus, and frankly, Jesus doesn't cooperate either, what happens? Martha comes face to face, not with her sister's indifference. She comes face to face with her own program for happiness. She comes face to face with the reasons that she's doing what she's doing. And so that's why it's so important to think for for, for ourselves. What is our program for happiness? What are the subconscious strategies that we're using to get our security and significance and belonging from God and from other people? Can you put your finger on it? The good news 
is that Jesus speaks a word that disrupts our program for happiness, and that's a good thing. Because rather than achieve our place in His presence, we are invited to receive a better word. You and I, we no longer need to live out of the anxious anxiety of whether or not we've done enough. Only one thing is necessary, to sit at Jesus' feet and receive what He wants to give you. Will you choose the better way? Luke 10 is all about hospitality, right? Um, If you read uh, the the passages and the stories before this, you find out that Luke 10 begins by Jesus sending out his disciples uh, into every town and village and he gives them instructions on how to discern whether or not God's kingdom is at work in different places. And so he says, go to a home and if, if God's peace is resting on that home, they will provide hospitality to you. They'll welcome you in and they'll give you what you need. And what's interesting is, is that, so by the end of Luke 10, here we see an instance where Jesus himself and his disciples are welcomed into a home and given what they need. This is supposed to be for us a picture of what it looks like to receive Jesus. And the point that Luke is making is, how are we going to receive him? Are we going to receive him like Mary or like Martha? And there's a big difference between those two things, is there not? Because it says that Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was what? Distracted by all the preparations that just had to be made. And this is contrasting, like I said, the two ways that we respond and welcome Jesus. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, receiving from Jesus, and Martha is preoccupied with what she must give to Jesus in order to be acceptable. And those are the two postures. And it's funny that uh, the, the word distracted, that, that Martha is distracted, means that she's being pulled in two different directions. She's being stretched. And part of why she's being stretched is God, is God is actually allowing her to be stretched so that Martha might be able to see actually what's going on in her own heart. Because in her mind, these are the things that have to happen. And I'm the only one that's doing anything about it. She's thinking to herself, how in the world will I be acceptable to Jesus if I don't use my program for happiness to get to Him? If I don't take on responsibility, if I don't serve other people, if if I'm not the smartest and the wittiest and the most capable and competent person in the room, how will He notice me? How will He accept me? If I don't stand out from the crowd, how in the world can I get to Jesus? And this is weighing so heavily on Martha because she comes to him and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get on my program, please. It's so interesting because she she calls Jesus Lord and then she proceeds to tell him exactly what to do. And I... But isn't that what we do? 
When our programs for happiness start to get frustrated, don't we in the same way come to God and we go, Lord, don't You care? Don't You care that I serve everybody and nobody's thanked me for it? Don't You care that I'm taking on all these responsibilities and doing all these things and nobody seems to notice? Don't You care that I spent all these years studying and 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 reading and, and, and getting wiser and smarter. and I put in so much effort to get this program for happiness. Don't you, won't you acknowledge it, Jesus? Won't you get other people on board with it? Why aren't you playing along, Jesus? I'm trying to get this program running, and you're letting her just come to you without one. The problem is she assumes that she knows, she, she, she assumes that her strategy is the way to honor Jesus. That her program for happiness is, is now being thwarted, thwarted. Her assumptions about serving Jesus are being challenged. Her beliefs about what it means to live in God's kingdom are now being questioned. And she lashes out at Jesus and her sister. When's the last time you lashed out at God or at somebody else because your plans were being thwarted? That tells you so much about the ways that you're trying to earn your place at Jesus' feet. This is what happens when our strategies get challenged and we, we ask God, why, like, don't you care? And Jesus' answer, which is implicit to Martha, is the answer that He would give to you. It's the answer that, that He wants you to know this morning is, yes, I do care. In fact, I care so much that I'm willing to disrupt the ways that you're looking to earn what, what can only be received. You don't need to wonder if you've done enough to be in My presence. I'm frustrating your plans because there's a better way. There's an easier way. See, it's not just that Mary's not being helpful to Martha's plan. Uh, She's like upping the ante, which is putting even more pressure on Martha because Mary uh, is being more disruptive than not helping with the meal. Because, like, where is Mary? in this whole story. She's at Jesus' feet. Do you know what that means? To be at Jesus' feet means that you have the intention of being a disciple. Do you know the only people that being a disciple was open to at this point in time? Men. She's not just not... In the, she's not just like sitting in the kitchen going, no, I'm not going to help with the meal. She's actually at the feet of Jesus wondering if she can have a place in His kingdom that previously was only dreamed of by men. She's crossing enormous cultural boundaries by doing what she's doing. And this is what rankles Martha even more. Because she's thinking to herself, that's not the place of women in our society. 
You need to join me in our place. This is the way that we get noticed. This is the way that we have belonging. This is why, this is the method by which women in our culture get significance. And Mary's going, no. There's a, there's gonna be a different way. And Jesus says, no. There is a different way. Mary's not just a fan or a groupie of Jesus. She's, wondering whether or not she can be a disciple. And disciples were people who sat at the feet of a rabbi in order to become what the rabbi was. In order to become teachers themselves. You didn't waste your time at a rabbi's feet if you didn't think, maybe I can do what he does. See, Mary isn't just a fan. She she senses that... that this calling to be empowered by Jesus in a way that only men would have entertained. To become, in a sense, what Jesus says that she can be, not what her program says that she must do. And this is the reality that Jesus begins to tease out even in His response to Martha. Because He says to Martha, Martha, You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's interesting that when when Jesus gives His response, Luke doesn't say that Jesus answered. He switches the language and He says, this is the Lord speaking. This is a word from, from God. That Jesus is saying that the hospitality that I'm seeking, what it means to welcome me into your life, is not just a clean house and a great meal. I'm interested in those who are ready to receive what I have to say to them. To receive who I want to make them. You don't, ha- you don't need a program to be welcomed at my feet. All you need is an open heart to the good news that I want to bring into your life. The only thing that you need is a willingness to become who I say you can become. Jesus honors Mary's hospitality over Martha's. Because Mary was willing to listen to Jesus and to receive the identity of His presence. And this is the one thing that it's necessary. This is the way to honor Jesus. This is how we open our lives to Him and how we experience His presence operating. And I love this because Jesus always does these stories where He's talking with someone who's on the outside looking in to the people that, are on, that, that have received grace or are now on the inside. And He's always doing that, especially in the book of Luke, to hold His hands open and say, you're welcome here too. Because Jesus is going, Martha, your focus is in the wrong place and Mary's chosen the better way. But listen, you can too. You're welcome to. Martha, whatever you're doing to try to have your needs met, stop trying to achieve what you can only receive from me. See, we often think that Martha's problem is that she's too busy. And it's not... Martha's issue is not that she's busy. It's that she's anxious and resentful. And the reason 
that she's anxious and resentful is because Martha was so busy trying to prepare a table for Jesus that she forgot that Jesus had prepared a table for her already. And all she had to do was come. And that's Jesus' invitation to you. Brothers and sisters, you get to drop the assumptions about what you need to do in order to serve God and gain your significance and security and belonging before Him. All those things and more are taken care of and they're available to you. Just come and sit. The good news is that Jesus is speaking a better word over you this morning. You no longer need to live in the anxiety of whether or not you've done enough. In Him is the provision for every need that you could possibly have. Will you choose the better way? Because there's space for you at Jesus' feet. As you think about, like, how are you going to respond to that then? Again, maybe you need to ask yourself some questions. Where do you notice your program for happiness being thwarted? Where do you tend to experience deep levels of frustration and resentment and fear in your life? Where is anxiety manifesting itself for you? What are you worried and distracted by? Where do you feel stretched beyond your capacity? All of those things are clues to how you're trying to get your needs met. For me, um, my bad news says that I need to be the wisest person in the room in order to have value before God and before His people. Um, and as I said, I, frustration happens when that need or that program isn't fulfilled. It's part of the reason why I don't feel comfortable in, in groups that aren't in church settings because I'm outside of my area of expertise. And so what I'm trying to do uh, recently, especially as I've been reading this text, is I'm trying to notice when I feel this impulse to be to have wisdom or knowledge and to just ask Jesus, like, do I, do I need to have this or is this something I feel like I'm using so I don't need you? Are you God, are you asking me to speak because truth is warranted in this instance or do you want me to remain silent? I, I told the, our, our team when we were in Haiti that I feel like God is calling me to practice what Dallas Willard calls the spiritual discipline of not having the last word. <laughs> and I've been trying to do that. Like when somebody says something and I know like that's incomplete or maybe it's off base or I have something to add to it, just going, maybe I don't need to be the one to like jump on that. Maybe I can just remain silent and be okay. To be honest, uh, um, one of the things that God is reminding me and one of the ways that, you know, because God often uses community to help us uh, do battle against our programs for happiness so that we could experience the presence of Jesus more. So if you want to know one way that you could do that for me since I've kind of shared this this with you, 
is just remind me that I have a place in God's family even if I don't know what to think or say. And that would be tremendously good news for me. And I promise that if you share like your program for happiness with me, I will do whatever is within my power to help speak God's good news into your life too. Because that's why we're together. He's called us to be a family. So what is it for you today? I just want to encourage you that you can bring that to Jesus. You don't need to wonder if He cares or not. He cares deeply for you. And so you can bring it to Him. You can pray. You can confess where you're worried and distracted. You can let go of the notions of what you need to do to get your needs met. You can open yourself to how Jesus wants to meet you within that need. Not with what you've done, but with what He's done to make it available to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that there is a place at Your feet for Martha's like us. God, we thank You that You don't allow the cultural boundaries to keep us bound in ways where we just have to serve You and serve other people again and again and again to get our needs met because You know that they'll never be met fully and completely by going that way. Whatever our program is, God, would You reveal it to us? Would you give us the confidence to know that we don't need to use that to get to you? Jesus, we thank you that there is space available at your feet. Teach us to come to you, to sit, to receive what only you can give. This is the way we honor you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.